Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. I was 21 years old here in Vegas, and I, I had to get build a business. So my training was door knocking, cold calling. So I was really used to, you know, hitting the pavement and, and making contacts. I didn't know any other way to do it. And there wasn't really, even Google Maps wasn't around in, in 06, 07, really. So I, I didn't really know how to build a business from marketing any other way. So so I smiled and dialed. So what I really hit hit the phones hard for a good decade. Then I dialed uh for years and years and, and built up, sourced probably 90 deals to those guys and it ended up working out. Our guest today quit college and was out trying to make it happen at 21. He said he, he looked like, I think he said like a 16 year old, but he was hustling. I mean, he was door knocking, cold calling. He called it smiling and dialing. He found a way to build a business, right? And he jumped in and you're going to hear some steps that no matter where you're at in your career path or age, you could do the same thing to make it happen. It didn't come easy. He was hustling. I mean, he was making it happen. I appreciate just him being real about it. But he also is telling you how to have your competitive edge. And he's going to elaborate on that. He even wrote a book about it that I know is going to encourage you and help you think about, man, what is that thing that I am best at? And you're going to hear more. But his name, Jeremiah Boucher. He's built a world-class team, an amazing professional network, and a portfolio of over $150 million in self-storage, mobile home parks, and industrial properties. For the first few years, he made almost no money in real estate. Some years, he made under $10,000, barely scraping by, but he stuck to it no matter what. His dream of financial freedom, love of learning, improving himself every year, reinvesting in himself and giving back to the people around him is what helped him push through the punches that the real estate game of life threw at him to get where he is at now. Jeremiah is going to elaborate on many of those steps that he took to make it happen. I know you're going to learn a lot from him today. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. I know you supposedly have built a $150 million portfolio from your phone. And I want to dive into that a little bit. I want the listeners to understand, hey, maybe how they could do that or at least glean some advice from you. I know you, I know you also wrote a book called Finding Your Edge. And I want to jump into that a little bit in our discussion also, because I think, man, that, that can be so helpful just from what you shared for the listeners also. So let's jump right in. Tell us about this $150 million portfolio and how you built it from your phone. Hey, thanks, Whitney. Yeah, so I started in real estate about 15 years ago in commercial real estate. I jumped right into manufactured housing. So mobile home parks, are, they're, they're quite popular right now. I think and if you, you can look at a lot of the investment groups out there. And I really like the asset class before they were as popular as they are. And I think we're up over $200 million now in assets. So I, I, what I meant by that is on my phone is 
I was a real, I used to be a realtor out of college. I quit college and I jumped into real estate and I didn't, I looked like I was about 13 years old. I was 21 years old here in Vegas and I I had to get, build a business. So my training was door knocking, cold calling. I actually worked for a home security company before that. So I was really used to, you know, hitting the pavement and, and making contacts, you know, and, and an old school trainer, Mike Ferry said, you know, contacts are contracts. So I didn't know any other way to do it. And there wasn't really even Google Maps wasn't around in, in 06, 07, really. So I, I didn't really know how to build a business from marketing any other way. So so I smiled and dialed. So what I really hit hit the phones hard for a good decade and got hooked up with some guys that built a huge real estate fund around manufactured housing. And I helped them grow that. So I found some guys at Frank and Dave Rolf, some of these original, you know, mobile home park educators. And I was in my mid twenties. I said, what can I do to build the business and grow? And how do I, what do I do here to, to actually get into it? And they said, go find a deal. So they, they said, this is, this is our education course. These are the deals we want. And I said, all right. So I, I bought the list and I dialed uh, for years and years and, and built up, sourced probably 90 deals to those guys. And it ended up working out. You know, I broke off on my own in 2015, 2016, but I was purely, you know, sourcing deals, referrals, learning each part of the business by, you know, joint venturing a little bit with those guys, but it was all on contacts. Interesting. I appreciate your drive though. And you didn't mention that there, but you know, you had a drive there that most 21 year olds don't typically have, right? I don't see (laughs) often enough, you know, and at 21, but you know, you were willing to, Man, I mean, you started door knocking, cold calling, you smiled and dialed, you called it, I sourced 90 deals. I mean, that doesn't happen by just 90 phone calls, right? I mean, you know, what gave you that drive, though, then at a very young age to push yourself like that? Probably my father, you know, my parents, they thought I was crazy. My mom has an education background. My dad has a a business, a paving company. My grandfather had a flower shop in New, in New England. I always emulated my parent, the male figures where I wanted to own my own business. And, you know, I tried working with him and trying to build his paving company and we butt heads a little bit. So I think a part of me was like, you know, that chip on my shoulder. Whereas I, 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 I'm going to make it on my own. I don't care what it takes. And real estate for some reason clicked, right? It's just like your listeners probably you control your destiny. I have full control. I have my future in my hands and no one can shape that. You know, I'm a big exercise guy. So I love, you know, every time when I was a kid, I really was a fanatic at the exercising because, you know, I knew the one thing in my life that was constant is I could go out and go work hard and feel good about my body and take control of it. And nobody else could influence that no matter what's going on. And I was broke. I was sleeping on a couch, my buddy's couch. I, you know, I had nothing. I had no, no money at all. You know, I, I say it in the book, but that was one thing that always got me right back into like, you know, I, at least I got control of this and I, I take pride in that. So I don't know. I took it and just emulated it and took it to the business world or, okay, you know, just like exercise and I can grab the phone. One thing, everything else is chaotic. I got no money in the bank. At least I can do something right now to build a business. And, and that's the one thing I did. No doubt. I appreciate you just you speaking about the drive that you had. And maybe it was just because of a chip on your shoulder. I'm not sure. And it sounds like, too, you saw some of that entrepreneurship in your father as well and business and those things. And you wanted to go create something. And you did. You had that drive. And what I appreciated, too, is that you, you jumped in, you educated yourself. You found guys that were way ahead of you as well. 
right? You know, you kind of made your way under their wing a little bit, right? And learn from them and work for them. I mean, source 90 deals. You learned a lot by doing that, no doubt about it, right? And, and by being with those guys. And then to speak to though, you know, how long was that time period before you said, you know what, I can go do this on my own? In the beginning, I, I thought I always wanted to do it on my own. So I thought I could do this on my own. The problem was for about a year or two, I didn't make any money. So I, I was realizing the fact that I'm going to have to add value to other people in order for me to generate enough capital or enough expertise to go create something for myself. What was good about that partnership is after a year or two, Dave allowed me to get in and participate in the deals, reinvest back in there and get hands on with operations and hiring and, you know, at CapEx projects. So it was it was a nice segue into learning the business where I could actually participate in and being a partner as I was continuing to sort of steals. But, but I didn't have to have a full infrastructure to be able to operate, you know, raise capital, be always the guarantor on the debt. So I was able to ride with him for a while and, and really learn slowly over time all the different aspects of the business. And, and looking back, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Right. So it was really important <laughs> that I was able to, to JV on those deals, but not be the lead sponsor. And then that gave me the, the confidence, but not, not even confidence, more the expertise over time to actually do it on my own. Yeah, that's incredible. So then you said, you know what, I'm going to go do it on my own. How did you find the first deal then? I mean, was it the cold calling and the, the door knocking the just the same way you'd been doing it? And how has that changed, you know, even to now? Yeah, you know, I look back at those deals and I'm like, wow, I would never do. And those again, <laughs> I mean, they were they were so bad. They weren't losers per se. I mean, they were successful, but maybe it was just because I was playing in my comfort zone. And there's nothing wrong with that in the beginning, right? Because it was such a leap for me. But these were pretty small markets in, in suburban, really rural suburban areas. They were smaller assets under you know half a million dollars. They were troubled. They were rough. They were lower income communities. But I was able to get in because... The owners were mismanaging them. There wasn't a lot of buyers out there. I was able to either get owner financing or, or put a creative structures of either, you know, a master lease or just getting it at a good price. So these assets, they took a lot of handholding and, and they were heavy lifts. And looking back, I wouldn't want to do them today, but it, it really helped me get in light, you know, and it helped me get into an asset that was cash flowing. But now I really look at uh, an investment completely different where what is the effort and energy involved? I mean, what is the, pardon my French, but pain in the ass factor of the actual cap rate or the income generated? And uh, there was a high, I mean, it was like working a job to generate that income versus having something that's a little more stabilized or more quality of the asset. And how are you sourcing deals now? Yeah, I mean, in the current market that we're in and with your experience in sourcing deals like you have, what are you doing now to source deals? Like I said in the book there, you know, it's always a relationship game at the end of the day, right? I enjoy spreadsheets to a degree like everyone on here, right? The model is really what we live and die by. But at the end of the day, the inputs are really, you know, driven by relationships. So what the one thing that I really thought was important for me is doing the, you know, now 15 plus years of prospecting and calling and with my staff. I mean, we have a full staff of guys that are calling guys and gals. And so we still are sourcing off market deals and focusing more on self storage than on manufactured housing. 
but it's a two or three tier approach where we're still making the cold calls. We have the good broker relationships, but it really compounds as snowballs. Like I'm sure like your business where, you know, over time, it's not the first call. You talk to someone and it doesn't work out, but, it, you know, real estate is not, not just location, right? It's timing. It's so critical for timing. And really it's being at the right place at the right time in front of that person. So we get the opportunity to buy. That's been key for me because, you know, every deal that I've done, they might not have multiple properties, but you know, if you deal with the right broker this time, or you deal with the, in this market and you learn something, and then it just starts to compound over time because you know, even in a, a not successful deal, I learned so much that I was able to bring into another deal and that was and build another relationship from that. Yeah. I love how you said deals are driven by relationships. And then you elaborated on, man, all these relationships and what happens over time. Speak to how you even continue to nurture those leads and nurture those relationships so eventually that they do turn into into deals or partnerships or something. Yeah, so that's critical to do that. And the way I have to consciously block out portions of the schedule because as you know, you, you got a big portfolio and you get so many different things coming at you, right? I mean, in terms of what debt am I getting, you know, operations and we're doing so ground up construction and there's a million things around me that I'm trying to, that it's trying to take my attention away. You know, I don't even want to look at checking my email for the first two hours of the day because the connection really comes by, it's not driven through tech or some checkbox of achieving a task. It's really getting out there and making the contact and, and connecting with that person. So ideally I love still the phone. I mean, that's where I want to connect over the phone, but I do the mailers. I, I think mailing a piece in the mail with, to the right list. I mean, your your audience cultivating a list, and and this is with any database, right? Is you have to build that database to the the proper people that you're going to want to to work with. So you got to filter it out. This has been a big filtering process for the last 15 years. You know, there's a, there's assets that are I have no business talking to or working on because they're too small. They're in markets I'm no longer interested in or a corporation or a big company already owns them. I, I don't need to be talking to those, but I do. If I filter that list and I'm able to continually just get contact people on that list, you know, day by day, month by month consistency, right? definitely consistency even if I don't do the deal with them, what's been surprising is a lot of them have reinvested right in my funds where they sold and they said at the end of the day, they really didn't have any good alternative to get into it with investing. And that's been a great source where you never know what that relationship is going to bring. Speak to your book a little bit. I know the title's Finding Your Edge. Write a book like that and give us, you know, what are we going to learn in that book and how's it going to help? Yeah, yeah, it's a brutal process. So I was, I actually did write it. I mean, we had an editor and they cut out about two thirds of it. But yeah, that, I think at the end of the day, what pushed me to write it was I felt like, you know, through this 20 year journey of building something from nothing, I, I felt there was something interesting about it, especially with how much interest there is around real estate and how the evolution of the business is, has, has occurred where a lot of people, you know, that's why I, I liked your show because at the end of the day, you can have nothing and through syndication and through a good business model and through hard work, you can build up a large company around you and, and a lot of wealth and wealth that I believe is generational where you're not at the whims of the market that goes up and down. I mean, you have real solid, tangible assets. And I 
pivoted and went into alternative assets with uh, mobile home parks and self-storage where even through recessions, you know, you're going to be able to, I believe, withstand all these, any, any type of economic climate. So with these lessons learned and some of the stories, they were something that I believe like anyone that wants to be in the business, there's some essential things that you got to focus on. And if you don't, then you just kind of floundering out there because there's so much information, right? There's so many podcasts, so many books, that it's like, what are the key things that you can keep coming back to so that you're staying on track and you're, you're going to actually accomplish what you want to accomplish instead of the shiny object syndrome where you're always grabbing the next best thing that's out there. So some of the lessons were, you know, like you have to find your value in the deal. Like the whole premise of the book is your edge. You know, what's your competitive edge? Like what is the thing Like everyone in real estate has the opportunity to have an edge? You know, you yourself know the Virginia market much better than me, you know, and you'll know the trends. So what is you have an edge in that marketplace? And then if you know an asset class better, like I knew manufactured housing better than a lot of people because I knew all the little nuances of you know, all the capex that was needed and the eviction laws and the trouble, like where the size of the deal needed to be for it to pencil out. So I just, some way, for me, it was being hyper-focused on what are the things that I can learn and I can really be the expert on and then, and then be really out there, you know, exploiting the thing that I'm great at or I'm getting good at. And then I'm able to find, have an advantage in the market. Instead of being out there, I was a house flipper like everybody else in Las Vegas in 2003, four, five, you know, and it wasn't hard. People were buying brand new homes, waiting in line at the KB development. They would close on the brand new home and then sell it for a hundred grand more. But you're just another guy that, that, you know, once that the market shifts, you have no advantage in the market. So when I got slammed and, and, lost a few homes in foreclosure, you know, that was a, just a slap in the face. For me, it's like you had no edge in the marketplace. Everybody's a realtor here. Everybody was flipping homes. So I thought, you know, this at the time when people were asking me, why are you buying mobile home parks? It's like, well, it's a great business model. And I, I really think it's going to be successful. And then fast forward 10, 15 years, and, and I was way ahead of the curve and it worked. How do you scale that? I completely understand or agree about like, man, what is your edge and what's going to help you to get that deal? Or, you know, is it that relationship? Is it the knowledge of the market, the asset class? There's going to be something, right? Or you hope you need to figure out what that is. And, you know, you need to create that skill set. But how have you scaled that as well? I guess, you know, as you move into other markets, you can't be an expert in every market, right? That potentially you want to go into. So how have you done that? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good question. So it, over time, like I, I had a macro view where it was really finding mobile home parks that were owned by a mom and pop that were over a certain size, 50 or more pads, and that changed. So I, I couldn't scale that. It was hard trying to duplicate a successful pattern all over the country. And I'm not saying you can't do it, but for me, you know, I, I looked at the storage industry and I said, wow, you know, I there's a lot less moving parts here where I'm renting small warehouses. You know, it's a pretty homogenous box where, you know, a store, there's not a lot of differences to your storage units. It's a 10 by 10 to 10 by 10 for the most part. So I looked at that and I liked the, the economics of that business. And I also gravitated more to where I'm originally from in New England, where I saw that the rents were high. I saw that there was an undersupply and lack of competition. There was high barriers to entry where it's very difficult to go into different towns and develop more storage. So I started to sell off my, my mobile home parks. And, and, I st and actually, you know, just like we talked about earlier, with you doing deals and relationships, 
I made a strategic partnership with a woman where I bought her mother's storage and she was an engineer and she was a very, very operationally driven and, and I'm eight operations. I mean, I love owning a business, but I, I just, I'm, I'm not the, the, the continual operating guy, you know? So she, I brought her in as a partner and, and that was really important because now I, I could really help lean on somebody that could continually manage the day-to-day processes of having all these different tenants and, you know, not to get too far down the rabbit hole, but I brought in another partner that I grew up with as a kid who had a construction experience, you know, five years ago. So I, at that time I learned, okay, I'm going to have to bring on really key people, right? A players that are going to help build my team and people that it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it wasn't like be my partner. It was more, you know, let's work on a project. And it evolved over time where they were like, I want to do more. And they weren't asking for a lot. They were just saying, you know, I like the business. I believe in what you're doing. Let me do more. Let me do more. And then it ended up turning into, okay, great. I got a great operational partner for storage. I got a great construction partner here. And this is where I see myself going. So that's how I was able to to scale is really seeing a, a business model that one, I believe could have scaled and then two, bringing in the right people around it that would help me actually fulfill my vision of what I was going after because I can't do it alone. All right, Jeremiah, we're going to transition to a few final questions and just give us, you know, just a 30 seconds response or so. I want to pull some of these sound things out of you that I know it's going to help the listeners as well. But what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? It's funny. I was watching one of your, your podcasts in the past and still it's been going to conferences, believe it or not. Yeah. It's just meeting people at, at trade shows and tip, and they are, they're either the mastermind groups or the trade shows. It's I've made some great connections through that. And, and also I'm part of the, the tiger 21 network there. So these different networking groups have been my, my best source. What's the most important metrics that you track right now? Well, on the acquisition side, it's still, you know, contacts for those guys. And in terms of growth, we check that. But and then on the operational side, for me, I'm so driven right now to for growth. So it's it's really square footage under management. We we have an aggressive goal to be at two and a half million square feet by next year. So we're and we're heavily invested in development. For us, it's time and budget. So just like I mean, what development's all about. So. It's a, a long answer, but but square footage, we want to really grow right now. What's some daily habits you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? Um, recently, over the last year, walking. I really like to walk. I get up. So, you know, walking in sunshine, I think it's, it's critical where you get up and you got to move around. So don't just have the coffee and don't nestle up to the computer right away. You know, don't look at the phone. I get out there and I'm either listening to something or just walk. But I really, really think walking for a half hour to an hour, it's something that really helps your mind more than your body. I'm a workout guy, but I don't I don't think you need to wake up and work out and hit it hard right away. There's a process of walking that helps you really, really prep for your day and think. And how do you like to give back? My mom's a biologist and a scientist. And over I grew up with a focus about conservation so I have an initiative in the company that we do. We have a it, it Patriot Parks. It's a it's a part of Patriot Holdings where I'm dedicating to conserve land. So in the Northeast, I want to continue to find land that I can put in conservation and then provide, you know, trails and parks. And it's really about getting people outdoors. And that's one of my most favorite times is just being alone or being with the group and being outdoors, walking, thinking, 
just enjoying the outdoors. So I'm dedicating more time and resources to providing outdoor spaces for people that they can enjoy and where it'll be long after I'm gone that those those environments will continue to be there for people. Jeremiah, it's been an honor to have you on the show and to meet you and to hear your story, really, and be encouraged. I know many listeners are probably in the shoes you were once in, you may be there in college or thinking about college or do I have what it takes to go make something like that happen like you did? I hope, you know, they are encouraged by hearing your story, your drive, even, you know, the book you wrote as well. I hope the listeners will check that out, Finding Your Edge. And I, I just think you you speak to that well as you're finding deals and building those relationships. And man, what is your edge? You know, and how are you honing that in and increasing the ability, right, in your market or in your asset class or whatever it may be? And eventually your team, right? As your team scales. So grateful for your time. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure, sure. My company's called Patriot Holdings. So patriotholdings.com. Our storage brand's called All Purpose Storage. And my personal website, jeremiahboucher.com. And you'll find the book, uh, Finding Your Edge, How to Win at the Game of Commercial Real Estate. It's on Amazon. It's only 10 bucks. So I'd, yeah, I'd love people reach out or just check out the book. And I hope you get something out of it. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 